Welcome to the Brave Faith Podcast. Here, we desire to inspire listeners to receive brave faith through real-life stories and biblical insights. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Mariah Sloan, and here I am again with my parents for part two, Thomas and Sheila Sloan, and today we're going to be rewinding a little bit. Last episode, we talked about how they stepped out into full-time ministry together, but we're going to back up and talk about what led them to each other. So, Mom and Dad, what led you to the ministry where you met? Do I go first? You can. Go ahead. Uh, Well, since people, I mean, when I was growing up, people would say, what do you want to do for a living? I said, I want to sing. And they would just laugh, you know. (laughs) So uh, that was not a job, so Mm -hmm. to speak. But uh, God knew the desires of my heart. One thing I dreamed about all through childhood was singing and, and ministering and uh, going to Hawaii. I mean, that was my dream, uh, reoccurring dreams of, of doing that. And uh, I started traveling with family first, uh, Judy and my sisters, Judy and Ruby. Mm-hmm. We would go f- and sing a cappella from church to church. Uh, revival. We'd hear of a revival, and we would go to that revival and somehow get asked to come up and sing. We didn't have music or anybody that played for us, so we'd just go up and sing. Well, let's take a minute because we don't know who may be listening. So let's talk about what were revivals in those days and what did they look like? Well, it would be a series of meetings in, in, in a church usually, uh, and uh, the, they would have a special guest speaker come in, and sometimes they'd have different singers come in. Uh, If they were smart, they would invite choirs to come to their churches because that (laughs) would bring a good crowd. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it was a series of uh, meetings uh, night after night, and it could go from a week to two or three weeks. Um, But usually it was scheduled for a week, and uh, they would have an evangelist come in and and minister. And... uh, uh, that was that was what we call revival, and it was a time of of uh, once again being. They would try it. Uh, you know, most of the time, get you fired up to serve God. You know, mm-hmm. get your hey, let's go, let's let's serve the kingdom. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, we did that, and then uh, you know, later in life, I w- I would travel with different parts of the family and because uh, <laughs> uh, many of your family were in ministry both of yeah, your brothers both of my brothers right. were were in traveling ministry and uh, they both had different groups you know mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I traveled with uh, my oldest brother Joel and Edna and uh, Sandra and Gary Watson, and we were called the Gold Tones back in the mm. day, back in the 60s. And, and the way I became a part of the group was uh, I, my brother got sick, and they needed somebody to fill in mm. his part because he was really sick, couldn't travel. So they asked me to help out 
because I'd been around them and I could sing any any part, you know. So um, I would go with him and sing his part. And then after that, my sister-in-law had um, some dental work done and she couldn't travel for a while. So she was laid up for a couple of weeks. So they said, well, can you sing her part? I said, sure. <laughs> so um, I had no limit to my range back in those days. <laughs> so I would go and sing her part, and we, you know, we did that. Then later on in life, uh, I went in the army and then came out. Uh, there's a story there that uh, mm-hmm. about my mom. She got deathly sick while I was in Germany uh, in the army, and uh, they called me home. Didn't expect her to live. And I walked into the hospital after hours and hours of travel. They come and got me in the middle of the night. And there was a problem with the Red Cross sending the correct information for me to be able to leave. But anyhow, when I walked into the hospital, she was in a coma and had been for a couple of days or several days. I'm not sure how long, but the doctor had given up on her. She had hemagoric pancreatitis. So I walked into the the hospital room where she was. I was exhausted from travel. And my sister Louise was in there. And she said, she tapped Mama and said, Mama, Thomas is here. And for the first time in days, Mom, I'm sorry. Mom opened her eyes. Wow. And she said, my baby boy. <laughs> and that was not what I liked for her to call me. <laughs> I was the baby of the family. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it was just... A, just a, you liked it that time, though, didn't I you? I loved it. It was precious to my ears. And from that time on, she recovered. It's a miracle. It was a miracle. Uh, God raised her up and, and gave her... A lot more years, and um, sorry for getting so emotional right up front here, but okay. uh, that was a powerful time in in my life. I remember flying back, and and I'd sung this song. Soon I shall hear the call from heaven's portals. Come home, my child. It's the last mile you must try. And I, I was singing that in my mind, you know, and. Praying and crying. I mean, it was uh, the stewardess would come by and say, "Are you okay?" I said, "I'm okay." You know, I, I didn't want to go into details, but then, anyhow, I, while I was praying and singing that, I said, uh, "Lord, help me. I need to know that she's going to be there when I get there because yeah. they didn't know if she was going to make it." Mm. And and while I was going through that song in my mind, singing it over, the Lord spoke to me and said, she'll be there when you get there. Praise God. And from that time on, I had the assurance that she would be there. And she was. And God raised her up. And uh, it not only did he raise her up, but she was, uh, she had raised nine kids and she had become pretty hard and, you know, going through all of that. And when she came out of the sickness, she was a changed woman. She, mm-hmm. she was so loving and caring for everybody, and uh, it was a it was a 
a great miracle, you know. Uh, not that she didn't love us before that, but it, she had trouble showing it because of nine kids. I mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a lot. But anyhow, moving right along, uh, came on to uh, sing with Steve and Mary, my brother and his wife, and and we traveled all over the country. Were you guys the singing Sloans? The singing Sloans, or as some preachers would call <laughs> us, the slinging stones. The slinging stones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we we traveled all over the country, and our our first. A meeting was uh, several weeks. I think it was like four weeks down at a little church in Seneca, South mm-hmm. Carolina. We started practicing songs, and we learned 50 songs within a week. Wow. <laughs> to uh, be able to stand up and, and sing them. And we sang, probably sang every one of them in that revival. <laughs> uh, uh, so um I went from there to being with Laverne Tripp Ministries and traveling with him and his wife and the the band. And we traveled all up in Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, West Virginia, most of the East Coast. I come home one day on a Christmas break and got a call from a guy named Danny Bishop. He was the lead guitar player for Jimmy Swagger and... Uh, I'd known him through the Laverne trip, actually. He used mm. to play for him. But So I uh, got this call saying, would you like, would you be interested in coming to Baton Rouge to travel with Jimmy Swagger Ministries? And I said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, why don't you come down and uh, audition and let's see what happens. So they were going to fly me in and get me a hotel room. So it was Christmas time and all my brothers were at home and they said, why don't we all ride down together? And would they pay for the gas? And and, and uh, I called them and they said, yes, they would gladly do that. Uh, it'd be cheaper than a plane ticket anyhow. But mm-hmm. So we all got to go down together, my two brothers. And uh, I, I had prayed and you know, prayed about this, I didn't get an answer. I, but I went down and auditioned, and they, on the spot, hired me and said, you have the job if you, uh, you know, if you want it. And I come back home, and they said, I said, well, how long can I, I said, I need to go pray some more, you know. And they said, well, we've got to know something pretty quick, because we got, if you don't take it, we got to get somebody else, because we're this was, like I said, around Christmas time, and they were leaving on a crusade the 1st of January. Mm. So uh, I came home, and I'll never forget. I was, I had talked to my brother, and he said, uh, Steve, and he said, uh, Thomas, just take this as an opportunity, maybe a stepping stone to, you know, go to further your ministry, to go uh, and get some contacts and, and experience, I, too. Yeah, experience. And, and um, it was a, a large ministry even at that time. Mm-hmm. So I I did. But while I was packing up, I, I was praying and said, God, I, I'm just going on faith. All of a sudden, a prophecy that had would, a lady had written to me in one of our meetings 
and uh, I opened my Bible, and it was a, a Bible that I didn't use. It was a New Testament, and I had stuffed it in there, and when I opened that, it, it fell out, and I began to read, and, and she said, you will travel to the nations, you'll not go along, but you'll go with the team whose lights are shining bright. Wow. And every time I went to, here I am, every time I went to one of those crusades overseas, I would stand there under those television lights and I would see those dark faces and, you know, Africa and Central and South America and all over the world. And uh, I would remember that prophetic word that that lady gave to me. And it was so impactful in my life that it wasn't just a stepping stone. It was a life-changing event mm -hmm. that I came to meet your mother there. And uh, mm -hmm. I'll let you take it from there. Because <laughs> I need to cry a while. <laughs> I do want to say, I mean, that's such a testament of how God brought you every step of the way. Yes. You can see his guiding yes. hand. Oh, yes. And you can't help but be emotional if you're real about it, you know, yeah. because God has been so good. Yes. You know, and through the years, you've built so much history with your creator yeah. and you just can't help but be thankful right. and it's it is overwhelming you know it um, is it, right. it, it really is uh to see his hand even back then right and another part of that prophecy was you're having there the lord is preparing your spouse even now wow uh and uh, you know i mean this this ministry that whose light shining bright was mm -hmm. where I found my spouse, yeah. or we found each other, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it was it was so powerful. I, that is powerful. And just to explain to people what you were doing there was crusades were these big meetings that that ministry put on in all different countries. I believe 33 different countries. Well, I, I traveled maybe. with them in, in 20, 28 countries, I think it was. 28 different countries. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, they repeated going back to those oh, yeah. different countries. And the, the second crusade I went to with them was Hawaii. That's right. God <laughs> God made that dream come true, didn't was, he? Yes. And you've been did. back multiple times <laughs> since yes. then and dozens. You know, God yeah. took you from just, you know, a little little country boy. Country and, boy with holes in my shoes that I'd cut cardboard out and put in there. Hand me down shoes from Steve. <laughs> they were already worn out, but and that was a dream, you know. I yeah. mean, I we had no money, nine kids, you know, just. But uh, God knew what He was going to do. You never know what you're saying yes to. That's true. You never know. Um, so that was that was what this this ministry did, 
and many, many people were saved even throughout our travels as, as Awesome Presence Ministries. People over the years have come up. I've seen them time after time say, I am a Christian today because of that ministry. Right. And I think that speaks really loudly for the work that, that happened, that God Absolutely. did through oh, that yeah. ministry and those, those crusades meetings where um, the word was preached and, and the songs about Jesus went forth and the altars filled and and people were transformed. You know, let me, let me interject here. Uh, you know, we, you and I were talking about the the uh, anointing is a, is a, it bridges the gap. Yeah. You know, and uh, we would go into these crusades and these people didn't speak our language and we didn't speak their language, you know. Mm-hmm. But we would go in there and sing these English songs, you know, songs in English. And uh, sometimes we would try to roughly sing a, a Spanish song or something. But uh, mm-hmm. the the anointing that would come across in those meetings, those people would be, they would get television shots of them. They didn't know what we were singing, but they were sitting there with their hands raised and tears pouring down their cheeks Mm. and as they worshiped a God that they felt the anointing and it communicated it it's a it bridged the gap, you know, in Mm -hmm. in those meetings. And uh, you know, I I just encourage ministers to to not to worry about gender language, those are barriers that we face, but they're not barriers to God mm-hmm. because God ministers to the spirit of man by the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And through the spirit of God that is in the individual ministering and it breaks all those barriers down. Amen. That's right. That's right. So another part of this ministry, we have the crusade part that Dad led the... You were music director. I became the music director after being there a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And so you led the band and made sure all the music was put together and mm-hmm. really directed all of that. And then on the other side, they made a Bible college. And yeah. that is what brought Mom into the picture. So mm-hmm. tell us about what led you to be a professor at the Bible College. Okay, well, music has always been a part of my life from as long as I can remember. For, uh, the first time I sang in church, I was two, and I stood on the piano bench, and my dad played for me, played the piano, and I sang, he's got the whole world in his hands with motions <laughs> and everything. And, uh, you know. I bet that was cute. Everybody <laughs> thought that was the grandest thing, especially my parents, of course, my <laughs> grandparents. But... Um, and then my parents noticed that um, my dad was a very good piano player and had a Southern Gospel group that traveled, oh goodness, probably 30, 35 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he worked during the day, and sometimes he would, he would do shift work, and he would come home at different hours and eat lunch. And he would come in, and he would eat, and then part of his re- relaxation when he, he would eat would be, after he would eat, would be to play the piano. And uh, so he would go in there and play a little song, and then it would be time for him to go back to work. Well, my mom noticed after a while that he would go, he would play and leave, and then I would go in and pick out the melody of the song in the key that he was playing in. Mm. 
And so after a while, she was like, hmm. So she told my dad, and mm-hmm. he said, there is just no way, because at the time I was about four years old. He said, <laughs> there is no way she could be doing that. So one day, unbeknownst to me, he tested it out. He acted like that he was going back to work, but he was really off. And so um, he did his thing and then went outside, and I went in and started playing, and sure enough, he said, oh, my word. He said, we are getting her lessons now. Because <laughs> mm. uh, he felt like that he had always been a little handicapped. He, he played by ear. He played trumpet and band, played by ear. But he just felt like that he was a little handicapped, not being able to fully read and do, you know, everything that he needed to do mm-hmm. always. So um, they started me in lessons when I was five. And I took um, on through college. By the time I ended high school, I was a singer and, you know, a keyboard player, a pianist, and uh, had played in church and youth group and all for all different things. And I got a music scholarship to university in my hometown mm-hmm. and uh, got a four-year four music education degree there. My uh, college choir director, um, my senior year, I was his senior service fellow, which meant that I... Uh, you know, got all the music together for choir and kept the library. And basically I did, you know, what he needed me to do, what he asked me to do. And uh, so he, about three weeks before school was out and I was getting ready to um, graduate, he called me in his office one day and he said, I need to tell you something. He said, I am moving and I'm moving to Mississippi and uh, I'm going to be at a university there. And I can take one person as my... um, graduate assistant and uh would you be interested in going and being my graduate assistant there and getting your master's degree well at the time i was kind of blown away i think because i wasn't really thinking about furthering my education at that point i was more interested in going in uh, maybe moving to nashville or you know going to some kind of theme park and playing in a band and getting some experience professionally doing that kind of thing i really hadn't thought about um getting a master's degree but as i prayed about it and uh, i just i talked to my parents about it they we all felt like it was the right thing to do so um, i told him yes that i would do that so <clears throat> this was in may or late april and may i graduated And then I started making plans to move to Mississippi, and I moved in August. And uh, in July, my mom and I went down, and we visited a a little church there and met the pastor and his wife. And his wife was getting her master's degree at the same university I was going to. And she was a music major. So, um, And they had a need in their church for another music person, like to play the piano or organ. So... Um, I made instant connections with there and even got a, a room and board and a place to live with a youth pastor and his wife. And mm-hmm. uh, God just, you know, worked every detail out of yeah. that, that part of my life. And um, so I went there and the, at the end of the first year that I was there, my friend Laura, the pastor's wife, was having her master's comps. And uh, she normally went to Teen Talent and um, judge the state teen talent contest. Mm -hmm. And this time she couldn't do it because of her master's test at that time. So she referred my name to the the head guy and his name was Dwayne. And um, so I went and judged in her place and met Dwayne and met the people there. And 
um, just had a really great time. Well, the next year, Laura wasn't being able to come back either, so I went and did it again and judged that again. And then I graduated just uh, like a month after that and didn't know what I was going to do, but I, I moved back home to Arkansas and stayed with my parents for a while until I felt the direction that I was supposed to go in. Well, I had been there about three weeks, and um, Dwayne calls me out of the blue one day, and he said, Sheila, he said, I'm making a move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, hmm. and uh, they are starting a, a Bible college, and uh, I'm going to be the head of the music department, and I keep praying, and the only name that comes to me is your name. Wow. And uh, he said, is this something that you would be interested in? You know, because he, he didn't know what I was, you know, planning or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll come and, you know, check it out and just just see. That's the only way I know, you know, right. to, to know if something's right or not. So he sent me the information. And uh, then uh, I think he called me again one, one other time and we set up the flight and all the details of everything. And I flew down there. This was about mid-June, mid to late June, I'd say. And um, the school was opening in August, mid-August. And so um, I went and I, you know, met, uh, at the time, Dr. Gray was the president. And I met Dr. Jernigan, the academic affairs dean, and, um, you know, several other people. And then, uh, of course, Dwayne, I kind of got to know him a little better, though I'd been, I'd been around him a few times, and um, it just seemed like the right fit. I auditioned and, you know, had the interviews and that kind of thing, and, and they offered me the job right there before mm -hmm. I went home, and and uh, it just it just seemed like the right thing to do. I can't say that God said, you know, yes, this and showed a big right, you know, big light or anything like that, but, but I just felt a peace in my spirit that, yeah, this is where... You know, this is what I could be a part of and do something. And because I remember being 12 years old and being in a youth camp. Mm. And they had a special callings class for people that felt a call into ministry. And I never felt like I was going to be a pastor's wife or anything like that. But I knew that the anointing and the gifting that God had placed in my life in music was a special call, mm -hmm. and I, I felt like I was going to be doing something, you know, in that realm. I didn't understand what all it meant, but but when I, when I thought back about, you know, they offered me doing something like that at a Bible college, and yeah. being so, being able to impact students, and, and to teach them um, how to flow in the anointing and how to better their gifting and, and that yeah. kind of thing. I reflected back on that time that, you know, this is what you were born for and this is the mm -hmm. special calling that God has on your life to do that, to impact others. Yeah. And so I um, I accepted the job and then two months later, or probably six weeks later, um, I moved to Baton Rouge. Wow. <laughs> That's so awesome. I. I'm seeing a parallel of highlights of just God's hand on both of you. As you just surrendered to him, he led you every step of the way, you know. And, and it was like stepping stones. But at each stepping stone, there was something that was happening that God was doing, a work taking place right. in your life, whether it was preparation or just impacting the people around you. 
And as well, I'm seeing how in discerning you were in a community, a faith-based community, whether it was your parents or your your family, your brothers and, mm-hmm. and the people around you. And you were like, well, you know, this is something, this is an opportunity. I feel like maybe this is a God thing, mm-hmm. you know, and they were help able to help you discern in that process. And we were never made to do life alone. So from that, you're both at this ministry doing the work and then you meet. So how did you know? Well, let's talk about you meeting and then let's talk about how did you know that God was calling you to be with one another in more than friendship? (laughs) Well, uh, when they started talking about the college, we, uh, the department heads were called in and we all met to work out a plan and to uh, see what the progress was going to be of the Bible college. And I happened to be one of the department heads over the crusade team. So I was sitting there wondering why I'm here about the Bible college. I'm traveling ministry, you know, I'm not uh, about the Bible college, but they Dr. Gray, who was the president of the Bible College and is now back at the Bible College, he uh, said, Thomas, we need uh, an ensemble, a group of kids to sing and to represent the Bible College. And he said, I would like for you to be a part of that, uh, to put, the, put that together, basically. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm thinking, oh, boy. I've got a workload and here is a something else. So, uh, but anyhow, I agreed to it. And um, so I started thinking toward that. And as the students came in, you know, uh, we had a meet and greet and we met the students and everything and met some of the professors. Well, the music department at that time was right around the corner for the college I'm talking about was mm-hmm. right around the corner from my office and the what we call the band room. My office was in the band room and that's where we rehearsed for all the crusades. And so uh, when, when I had this task uh, laid in my lap, I knew I needed help because the, I had a, you know musicians, but they would go and do other jobs and I didn't want to pull them back, you know, from doing their responsibilities. If I could get somebody that was right there and the, maybe just come over and play piano for an hour or so. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so I went over to the music department in, uh, for the college and I walked in and I said, is there anybody that could help me out for a couple hours in the afternoon, an hour or so, whatever? Uh, I'm, putting together an ensemble for the, the uh, college and I need to audition some singers. And Sheila spoke up and said, I can do that. I, I can make some time. So we did that and I think it was like 52 kids, 50 something kids that we went through, auditioned and some good singers in there. And we put together, I think it was 12, wasn't it? Right. And um, uh, so we put put together the ensemble and worked with them, taught them songs, and we became real good friends during this time. And so 
we met other people in the uh, Bible college and became friends with them. And it like it was like this group of of uh, people, uh, young people that would uh, get together and go out to eat, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we we would just do that as, as friends and. There's two couples came out of that meeting <laughs> that time. <laughs> yeah. Me and your mom and, and uh, Steve and Miriam. Uh, she was Raph Kogel at the time, but Steve, Steve Laird, and they married out of that group of young people that got together. Huh. And uh, so that's how we met, and uh, I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I remember the day Thomas came in and um, asked if he needed help, you know, uh, or asked who could help him with that. And I, I think it was, uh, I think we met on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons after we initially um, tried out the kids. And we would probably take an hour and a half or two hours maybe. So, But I remember when he came in and asked that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is the man you're going to marry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, really? She didn't tell me. No. no. I, I said, oh, really? You know, so. Um, what I, was that like in that moment? It was, it was like time stood still. <laughs> you know, it was like, am I hearing right? Because I knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and I was like, what you know are you kidding you never said anything like this to me you know (laughs) is this for real you know and I'm sure all these things were going through my head and he was probably talking and I'm not sure I heard a word he said you know and you're like yeah yeah, I can do that (laughs) like what am I agreeing to oh my gosh (laughs) but um but I thought after that you know additional meeting in the Holy Spirit saying that I thought well if this is truly God then, uh, you know, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it isn't, well, then, you know, maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, you know, because, I mean, <laughs> here he was, you know, a great singer up on stage with Jimmy Swagger, and he was cute to boo. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> you know, and just a nice guy, you yeah. know. And uh, like I said, we worked together and became friends, and then... Um, you know, and then we had this other group of friends, and all of us were probably, I mean, mid to late twenties and thirties. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. not nobody was really kids, you know, no. but um, we just hung out together and had a great time and and everything. Laughed a lot. Laughed <laughs> a lot. Just loved, um, you know, loved to have a good time, and all of us were, you know, single but doing what. God had called us to do, you yeah. know. You know, we we were all single, and we were all away from our families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And that far I mean, away, far away from our families, and that was uh, not only a stress reliever for me, but it was, you know, a relationship social. with yeah, social interaction. Uh, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it gave us an opportunity to come together and have fun. Yeah. And just just be be real with each other, you know, yeah. and, and uh, had some great conversations. And like I said, we laughed a lot. Mm. Uh, 
I remember trips to New Orleans and getting beignets yeah. and, and oh. cafe au lait. <laughs> <Yes>. So good. <laughs> and uh, having, laughing so much, we'd sniff the powder and the sugar <laughs> and then, then, then it would Get explode all over, all over oh, everyone, you know. So, yeah, but, uh, lots of fun. Just lots of good time. Just clean fun. Just good yeah. fun. Just laughing and, uh, you know, or bowling or fishing or you know whatever whatever the group of us you know decided to do yeah you were just, part of a bowling league too but you know just just having a good time just as yeah. you know as friends and and people that love God you know mm-hmm. and it was it was a great time in our lives yeah it really mm-hmm. was so that's really how you got to know one another when did that shift from friendship to more relationship? I'll take this part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were walking along, and like I said, we were good friends. And we were walking along the river walk in, in New Orleans. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, Steve and Miriam were ahead of us, and they were probably, you know, picking at one another, fighting or whatever. <laughs> That's uh, one of their things. And we were just walking along and talking, and all of a sudden, I felt a hand grab my hand. Oh. And I said, what is this, you know? (laughs) So uh, we had never dated, you know. We were just, Mm -hmm. uh, we were in groups. We're always in groups, and that's safe, you know, Mm -hmm. that uh, safe for uh, both of you. It was probably a year after we met, though. At, yeah. Yeah, at yeah, least a year, yeah, I would probably. say. Yeah. And, and uh, so, you know, I felt this hand, and I, I said, okay, this is going to, from friendship to a relationship, maybe. <laughs> so uh, that's what happened. She made the move. She made the move. <laughs> she made the first move. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Mama! <laughs> <laughs> she was a bold woman. And we would go out to eat, and I tell this often. You know, I'd been out with other other girls, you know, uh, and we'd go out to eat, and they'd sit there and pick at their food and eat part of it. And I'm thinking, bought this meal for you, and you're not going to eat it. And so uh, we went out that Sheila and I would go out to eat and she would sit there and uh, I accuse her of saying, are you going to eat all of that? And she'd reach over and get a bite of my food. She would, there was no qualms about it. She, she loved food. That's and how you knew she was I the said, one. she's the one. <laughs> she's different. I don't remember it like that. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, it's, it tells good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that's kind of how the thing started. That's and, how it started. But you dated for, was it six years on and off? Uh, and Yeah, it half. was, uh, well, that would have been 85 when I held his hand. So <laughs> it was 90 when we got married. Okay. So the end of 90, December of 90. So, um, you know, it was five, five years. Five plus years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were on the road. Yeah, and people said, why don't you get married? Because, you know, we dated and uh, we were friends. And there again, 
she had roommates and uh, we I would go to her house and she would cook for mm. me. So that was another plus plus. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she played the piano and sang and that was another plus plus. So <laughs> all those things. Uh, I was were... racking up points. <laughs> <laughs> and she was cute too. She was pretty, yeah. And just, just bubbly. And uh, But anyhow, we, we did, you know, we did our thing and like back to the question people would say why don't you get married you know but I didn't want to have a wife that sat at home while I traveled all over the country Mm. that was not my desire or the world at that time really well yeah the world we we went to almost every state in the United States and we went to 28 countries I believe it was the television ministry was all over the world. It would no matter, even after we we left the ministry, we would go into different countries, and and they would say, they would hear my name and say, "You, Jimmy Swaggart Ministries." Mm. And I said yes, and they would recognize me, and I got saved in Jimmy Swaggart Ministries, you know, mm-hmm. and even stateside we would go to people uh, places and if they heard that we were with the ministry they would come up and say I gave my heart to the Lord through the telecast and and I was called to preach at a count meeting or, or you know just I, I couldn't count the times oh. that that happened innumerable yeah innumerable so next week tune in to see part of the story they're at their point where they're dating so we'll see how they actually get together and uh, become one. Thanks for listening to the Brave Faith Podcast by Awesome Presence Ministries. You can find out more about Brave Faith and Awesome Presence Ministries at awesomepresenceministries.com. There, you can also donate if you feel so led. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and subscribe for future updates.